0: Well, in the life of a pastor, every once in a while, there's certain things that happen. Yesterday, um, sorry, on Friday, I was doing a wedding, and it was outdoors, and before the wedding, the videographer came up to the groom and put a mic on him so we would be able to pick up everything that was said. The problem is, it picks up everything that's said. They also gave me a mic um, because they wanted to pick up what I was saying as well, and so... It was in this outdoor courtyard, and I'm standing up there with the groom, and the bride is just at the back door getting ready, and so everyone stands up, turns around, and looks at her. And I also have a handheld mic so that people are gonna be able to hear, but I'm not using that. And then all of a sudden, everyone's looking, the music's playing, and all of a sudden, I feel this on my head and look down, and a bird pooped on me. (laughs) So I look over at the groom, and I go, did? and he goes, oh, yeah, it did. So no one's looking at us, because everyone's looking at it. So I pull out a Kleenex, and we wipe it off. And then all of a sudden, I realize there's a mic on. So I'm not sure what's going to be said on that video. but And none of you are allowed to put it on YouTube. Yeah. Well, a couple years ago, my um, wife and I and my kids had a privilege of going over to Ireland to research my family history and do a number of Celtic pilgrimages. And many of you know that St. Patrick is a patron saint of Ireland. Patrick is not Irish. He was from England, came over to Ireland, and um, for the most part preached the gospel, the good news of Jesus there. And there's many sites around Ireland where Patrick went and did certain things, and they become holy sites and the one of the most holy sites there is a place called Croagh Patrick. Croagh Patrick is that mountain right behind me. And this is where Patrick went up on top of this mountain for it's about 30 days and he stayed there and he prayed for the salvation of the Irish people. It is 2400 feet above sea level and it is right on the ocean and At the top of the uh, mountain they have built a chapel and the Catholic Church holds services there every once in a while, but the climb is so difficult getting up to the top that the priests who are officiating at the services go up by helicopter. Well, Mary and I and my son Bradley and Tori did the climb and we had great hiking boots and shoes and we're relatively well prepared for the ascent. At the bottom, there's a large visitor center, well, actually, I should call it a pilgrim center, where there you can buy food, you can buy snacks, you can buy water, you can also buy walking sticks. We thought we didn't need them, while well, we were wrong. The one thing they didn't have at the bottom was a warning sign, going up is very difficult, coming down is worse. But there is a sign at the bottom, and you begin your pilgrimage, and it is this. Now, I know it's going to be hard for you to read this, so I'm going to read it for you. It says, Every pilgrim who ascends the mountain of St. Pat- on St. Patrick's Day or within an octave or any time during the months of June, July, August, or September and prays in or near the chapel for the intentions of the Holy Father, the Pope, may gain a plenary indulgence on condition of... Going to Confession and Holy Communion on the summit or within the week. And then it goes through. There's three places you're supposed to go. So when you get there, you're supposed to walk around the chapel 15 times. And let's see. um, And you have to say seven Our Fathers, seven Hail Marys, and one Creed. You have to do that at three sites on the mountain and you will get a plenary indulgence. In the teaching of the Roman Catholic Church, an indulgence is a way to reduce the amount of punishment one has to undergo for sins. And so there's different categories of things that you can do. There's four things that you can do, or four areas in your daily lives where you can receive an indulgence. Um, And this is from... Uh, some of the teachings, it says, raising the mind to God with humble trust while performing one's duties and bearing life's difficulties in in, in your vocation. That would allow you to get an indulgence. Or devoting oneself to one's good compassionately in a spirit of faith in service to your fellow man who is in need. That would get you an indulgence. Or freely opening or freely giving witness to your faith In everyday life, that could get you an indulgence. Then there's some other things that aren't related to daily life. Um, If you read the Bible for half an hour, you can get an indulgence. If you um, adore Jesus for half an hour, you get an indulgence. Do the Stations of the Cross, do the Rosary. These are certain things. And then there's four specific things that you can do. Um, One is if you... um, receive a blessing by the Pope in person, radio, or television, that would get you an indulgence. <laughs> um, so, now the difference, though, with an indulgence is, according to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, an indulgence is a remission before God of the temporal punishment due to sin, whose guilt has already been forgiven. An indulgence is partial if it removes part of the temporal punishment, do sin, or it's plenary if, if it removes all punishment. So this is a sign that's at the bottom of going up on this mountain, and so with this in mind, we made our way up the mountain, and it is a treacherous walk because it is all loose stone. It is all loose stone, and the ground underneath you is totally unstable. And so this is my daughter there. We're going up the mountain. The next picture Um, There's loads and loads of people, and people are falling all the time because the rocks are unstable. We got to the top, and it's an incredible view. My wife said I would need a plenary indulgence for showing a picture of her with her hair like that. (laughs) Now, I don't believe in indulgences, but I understand how important they are to other people. And the reason the climb is so difficult going up there is it's not just the climb that's difficult, After reading this sign, I'm having to repent of all the bad things I'm saying about how difficult the climb is. And I thought it was difficult for us until I saw this lady, and she was going up barefoot. She was doing the climb barefoot as a sign of dedication, and we met her friend who was walking behind her carrying her shoes. We talked to her, and she said, Her daughter has cancer, and so she's going to pray for her. And I pondered this, and I realized that these pilgrims believe that God watches over them and is intricately intricately concerned with every aspect of their lives. They trust that God is watching over them and that being faithful to God would be of some advantage to them. I don't believe in indulgences. I don't believe that we can manipulate God into doing things for us. But my heart was moved by this experience. As I pondered what this lady was doing, as I pondered what St. Patrick did, and I thought about him going up this mountain and praying for the salvation of the people. And I thought to myself, how often have I prayed for the salvation of people in Chandler? And as we look at our text for today, I want us to remember a promise of Scripture that comes from 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, which says this, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the entire world to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Amen. Now, we're continuing our sermon series on the book of Malachi. We're in chapter 2, and there are some things in our text today that are very difficult to hear, so I want to start with two disclaimers. The first is, when you read your Bible, try and understand it. Understand what is being said to the people to whom it was addressed. The context is always important. And then the second thing is, don't let your personal experiences keep you from hearing the Word of God. I was speaking to someone about our text for today, and they said, well, why don't you just skip this passage and go on to something more encouraging? (laughs) And my response was, well, we can't avoid passages of Scripture that we don't like or that are difficult for us to hear because that would be us creating God in our image rather than us being conformed to his image. And so we're going to continue on Malachi chapter 2. And it ends with God saying, you have wearied me with your words. So let's look at Malachi chapter 2. It says, And now, you priests, this warning is for you. If you do not listen... And if you do not resolve to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse on you, and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them, because you have not resolved to honor me. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. I will smear on your faces the dung from your festal sacrifices, and you will be carried off with it. And you will know that I have sent you this warning, so that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord Almighty. "'My covenant with him, a covenant of life and peace. "'And I gave to him, gave them to him, this called for reverence, "'and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. "'True instruction was in his mouth, "'and nothing false was found on his lips. "'He walked with me in peace and uprightness "'and turned many from sins. "'For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge, "'because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty.' And people see construction from his mouth. But you have turned from the way, and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. And you have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. So I have caused you to be despised and humiliated before all the people, because you have not followed my ways, but have shown partiality in matters of the law. Do we not all have one Father? Did not one God create us? Why do we profane the covenant of our ancestors by being unfaithful to one another? Judah has been unfaithful. A detestable thing has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Judah has desecrated the sanctuary of the Lord loves by marrying women who worship a foreign God. As for the man who does this, whoever he may be, may the Lord remove him from the tents of Jacob, even though he brings an offering to the Lord Almighty. Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer looks with favor on your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. And you ask, why? It is because the Lord is a witness between you and the wife of your youth. You have been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Has not the one God made you you belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. The man, who, the man who hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord, the God of Israel, does violence to the one he should protect, says the Lord Almighty. Be on your guard and do not be unfaithful. You have wearied me. The Lord with your words. How have we wearied you, you ask? By saying, All who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and He is pleased with them. Or, Where is the God of justice? Wow, that's not really a chapter that you're going to put up on your wall at home. There's some strong condemnations here to the priests. The strong condemnations are to the priests who are leading people away from God rather than into a closer relationship with God. The priests are not fully dedicated to God. The problem, though, is not their religious practices. The problem is not their religious practices. What are your religious practices that bring you closer to God? Maybe walking up Krogh Patrick would bring you closer to God. Maybe reading your Bible every day brings you closer to God. Maybe helping the poor and the needy, the widow and the orphan and the oppressed. These things can bring you closer to God. But what are the religious practices, your religious practices, that push you further away from God? And here's the thing. It can be the very same practices if your heart is far from God. If your heart is full of pride, if your heart is full of vanity and jealousy, then these same practices can actually push you away from God rather than to God. And the problem is the problem of the heart. It's not a problem with the religious practices. It's a problem of the heart. And the Lord had made a covenant years ago with Levi. And the priests of Israel come from the household of Levi... And Levi was an example of how priests are to live. We'll go back to verse 5. It says, My covenant was with him, a covenant of life and peace, and I gave them to him. And the priests are supposed to lead people into a closer relationship with God rather than away from God. That's what the priests are to do. But what happened was the priests weren't doing that in Malachi's day. They weren't doing that back in Moses' day as well. And so there's a problem in Malachi's day, and it's of intermarriage with women who worship other gods. This is not about interracial marriage, not at all. There's absolutely nothing wrong with marrying someone of a different race. My wife married a Canadian. (laughs) But this is about marrying people who worship another god. The Ten Commandments starts off with there's one god and worship him only there is no other gods worship him only and so what god is saying here in this text is that the people's hearts are not fully dedicated to him and they are not paying him the reverence that is due and because of this It's leading many people to marry foreign women who worship other gods. And the real issue is the issue of the heart. This was what happened with King Solomon. King Solomon married women who worshipped other gods, and they led him astray. When in fact, it was Solomon's heart that was not fully dedicated to God, and that's what led him astray. The women didn't lead him astray. His heart was not fully dedicated to God. And so he started flirting, not with women, but with worshipping other gods. And he was unfaithful to God. And for Malachi to not distinguish between Israelite women and pagan women was to deny the difference between God and pagan deities of the day. Well, to fully understand this, we need to consider the historical setting and what is this covenant with Levi. And you have to go back to Moses and the story that takes place in Numbers chapter 25. Now, Moses was leading the children of Israel out of captivity in Egypt. God had done miraculous things, leads the children of Israel out of captivity. They go across the Red Sea. They see all the miracles of God, and he's leading the people into the promised land, and they're getting close, but they have some difficulties, and they have to wander in the wilderness for a while, and so they go out and around, and they go into what is present-day Jordan, and they're going to come into the promised land from the east, and so they're in Jordan historically this is Eden and Moab. And so they're at a town called Shittim. And this is what happens. The children of Israel are getting ready to go into the promised land, and God says, I'll give you this land if you remain faithful to me. I just want you to remain faithful to me. There's only one God, and it's me. Don't worship anyone else. So this is what happens in Numbers chapter 25. It said, while Israel was staying in Shittim, the men began to indulge in sexual immorality with Moabite women, who invited them to the sacrifices of their God. The people ate and bowed down before these gods. So Israel joined in worshiping the Baal of Peor, and the Lord's anger burned against them. The children of Israel, getting ready to go into the promised land, God says, Just be faithful to me. These foreign women say, Hey, Why don't you come worship with us? Now, the people go and worship with them, and it doesn't say it there, but what it means to say there is, and they're having sex with them. It's a big party. And God is not pleased. And so, it gets this bad. You have to go on a couple more verses, and you get down to verse 6. It says, Then an Israelite man brought to his family tent, a Midianite woman, right before the eyes of Moses and the whole assembly of Israel while they were weeping at the entrance to the tent of meeting. So what happens is they're having a worship service, and right in the middle of this worship service, this guy brings a Moabite woman right past the tent of meeting and into his tent, and he's having sex with her right there. So a guy by the name of Phineas. This is verse 7. When Phineas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw this, he left the assembly, took a spear in his hand, and followed the Israelite into his tent. So some people think reading the Bible is boring. This is like, holy cow stuff. <laughs> so he goes into the tent, takes his spear, and the couple is going at it, and right there impales them both right into the ground. And God makes a covenant with this guy. And it says there, the, verse 10, The Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, has turned my anger away from the Israelites, for he was as zealous as I am for my honor among them, so that my, in my zeal I did not put an end to them. Therefore, tell him I am making my covenant of peace with him, he and his descendants have had, will have a covenant of a lasting priesthood because he was zealous for the honor of his God and made atonement for the Israelites. And so Phineas, the priest, doing this, leads people into a closer relationship with God. What happened was people were thinking that there was no advantage to them for being faithful to God. Being faithful to God was no advantage to them. They looked around and they said, look at all these other people, Lord. They're evil, they're cheating, they don't worship you, and they seem to be having great lives. What is there any blessing for me to remain faithful to you? Why should I follow you? Why should I obey you? Why should I do all these things? It hasn't gotten me anywhere, and I'm missing out on the party. And so the priests are going... You guys want to go over and with those, foreign, those women who worship foreign gods? Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, remember the verse from last week, Galatians 6, verse 7, where the Apostle Paul said, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A person reaps what they sow. And so the question for us is, is being faithful to God an advantage to us? If you think that being faithful to God and worshiping only God is of no advantage to Him, then why would you obey Him? Why would you trust Jesus? Why would you worship Jesus? Why would you follow Him? The, see, the problem was people had forgotten all that God had done for Him, for them. These are the people in Malachi's day. They were in Babylon. God brought them out of Babylon back into the Promised Land And said, just be faithful to me. If you're faithful to me, I will bless you more than you could ever imagine. That's what God is saying to us today. He wants to bless us. He wants us to be blessed. But we have to return to him with our whole hearts. Return to him with our whole hearts. And so maybe today you feel God calling you back to himself. And maybe today you need to do business with God. And following the service, our prayer team is going to be up here. They will be on the sides. And if you want to come and pray, if you also, if you just want to come and sit in the front row and pray, if you feel God pulling you back to himself, because God says, if you return to me with your whole hearts, I will bless you in ways you could never imagine. Being faithful will be of great advantage to you, to our church, and to our world. Remember the promise from 2 Chronicles 16. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth And God wants to strengthen your heart. Make sure it is fully committed to him. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to know that you are God who's still at work in our world and at work in our lives and at work in this church. Lord, draw us back to you. Draw us into a closer relationship with you. Draw us to yourself and to yourself alone. And may we have a passion for you. And so, Lord, we thank you for loving us the way you do and being patient with us the way you are. And we will give you all the praise and glory, for we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.